Amen. Read quickly from Psalm 62. It says this, starting in verse 1. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighted on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. Thanks, Jerry. So uh, today we're starting a, a new series here for the church, um, something we're going to be focusing on with our sermons and a lot of the things that we want to be doing at the church, focused specifically on the Psalms. Uh, Joey just read for us from Psalm 62, a psalm that uh, incorporates all kinds of, of things that, uh, all, all these phrases you may have heard in church songs at different points in time. Uh, it was shocking to me, actually. Joey and I didn't really coordinate before the service, but so many of the phrases in the songs that he sang today uh, either directly paralleled that psalm or many of the other uh, psalms that are, are referenced um, uh, throughout the scriptures. And you can just really see that uh, that in, in the psalms particularly, uh, you get a very interesting and a very... I would say more robust view of what it means to live a life in relationship with God than the the, the, the maybe smaller and more truncated version of it that we get sometimes uh, in the church. I read an interesting t- uh, statistic that was, you know, somebody was calculating up all of the different Bible references that Jesus himself makes. So in the Gospels, you know, Jesus is constantly referencing back to the Old Testament. And the, the book of the Bible that Jesus references the most, the one that comes up the most for Jesus, are the Psalms. He quotes the Psalms more than any other book of the Bible. It's the one that, if you count it all up, it's the one that he quotes the most. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. The biggest one being that I think it is, in, in a lot of ways, you get this very complete picture of what it means to live a life in relationship with God. So we're going to be starting this series. It's going to go over the next few months, uh, focusing on on what we can gain out of out of the Psalms. It's I think a great way to uh, to start the new year. You know, focus on uh, on the verses of the Bible that obviously uh, were were so important you know, to Jesus Himself. It's a great way to focus us in for this year. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, we'll get to work. 
Lord, I ask that you would just help me to be clear in uh, explaining uh, whatever truth that you would have for us today. And um, even if I'm not clear, even if it doesn't make sense, I ask that you would, through your Holy Spirit, allow uh, those that are are listening now or in the future or here in the room or online, that you would you would give us uh, wisdom for our lives and, and, and help us to really hear whatever it is that you may have for us specifically today. I ask that you would just help to make that apparent. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, if you've been a, a part of Wayfarers, you've heard me tell several stories from a trip that Adrian and I took to Israel. I'm going to tell another one of those today because I don't do a lot of cool things. I don't have a lot of life experiences. It's one of the only cool things I've done. So that's a, a, a lot of the best stories that I've had recently, especially come from that trip I took, this time we took in Israel. And the story I want to tell today, I'm trying to remember, I think I may have already told it once before in a, a church service during a sermon, but uh, we're going to go for it again. If you guys have heard it before, uh, you know, bear with me. But I think it's kind of the craziest thing that happened to us, really. We were there for about two weeks, and this moment happened kind of right in the middle of it, and it was the, the, the craziest thing that happened to us the entire time that we were in Israel. Um, when we got to Israel, we had this amazing guy. He's still one of the coolest guys I've ever met. His name is Mark Zies. Um, he was a professor at Johnson University at the time, he used to be a professor at Cincinnati uh, University, Cincinnati Christian College, I don't know, whatever the name, they changed the name a few times, but Christian University, that's it, thank you, Greg. Uh, he used to be a professor there, had moved to Johnson, um, and he is this really cool guy who teaches Old Testament and archaeology, and one of these few professors that's like the real-life Indiana Jones, he actually has spent a ton of time in Israel, actually like working on archaeological digs. Um, there's a famous archaeological site where they discovered this, they call it the David Stone. I would encourage you to go Google it. Go Google the David Stone. It's kind of one of the only archaeological evidences we have of the existence of the, the house of David. And Mark Zies was part of the team that helped to discover that stone. So when we found out this is going to be our guide, this is the guy that's going to be showing us around Israel, I was, I was very excited. I was super stoked. And he totally lived up to the, to the hype about it. You know, everywhere we went, he had all this inch, amazing insight from his own experience out in the archaeological world and living for, for decades at this point, going back and forth between the Holy Land and the U.S. But about halfway through the trip, we got an opportunity to go to this town, uh, this, this kind of ruin of a town uh, that was in the, uh, the, the city of Dan. Um, you, you may know that there were different uh, tribes, and one of the tribes was the tribe of Dan. And if you know your Old Testament history, the tribe of Dan was a uh, difficult tribe that had a lot of, uh, 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 let's, I, I don't know, like a, a, a lot of trouble following what the Lord commanded them to do. <laughs> and uh, one of the examples our, our guide, Mark, was telling us about was that you know, God gave each of the tribes their own land in Israel, their own section where they could go and live. And the, the tribe of Dan was supposed to go and to take over the section where the Philistines lived, where the Philistines were at. And, uh, you know, the way he tells the story is the Danites show up, they see the Philistines, like, nah, <laughs> I think we're good. We're not going to mess with that. We're not going to go and overtake those uh, <laughs> terrifying Philistines. So instead, they, they go to the other side of the country, all the way up north, 
furthest away from uh, the, the deserts, and they go to actually where the, the Jordan River starts. Many of us have heard the Jordan River. The, the beginning of the Jordan River is this, this area up at the very north of Israel, and it's nothing like what you imagine Israel to be. It is lush. There's plants everywhere. It's like a rainforest almost. And it's crazy when you think of the deserts and everything else that you see in Israel. This uh, kind of beginning of this Jordan River is, is incredible. It's super lush. It's actually a national park now that has kind of been built over where this city uh, of Dan was. And the Danites, they, they, they don't go where God sends them to, and instead they go and they, and they take over this city that already existed um, and, and take it for themselves. And there are all kinds of horrible things that happen in the history of that tribe of Dan in that city. It's a city that has a lot of um, really kind of dark things associated with it. Our guide actually pointed out that in the book of Revelation, when the different tribes are being listed, uh, Dan gets not mentioned. <laughs> uh, and they take it out, and instead the two half-tribes get listed as, as full tribes. They don't, they don't, he, he has such a problem with the people of Dan and the tribe of Dan that they don't even get listed in the 12 tribes in the book of Revelation. And so this dark place is where we were going to spend the day. <laughs> like I said, it's a, it's, a, it's a national park now. It's this kind of beautiful, uh, lush rainforest, nothing like what you would expect in the rest of Israel. And so uh, we were walking through this forest. There's a whole group of us. I was there with all my friends from grad school, and it was um, you know, probably about 15 of us, all grad students from Johnson University. And we were all walking single file behind our our fearless leader, Mark Zeese, behind our guide, and he's he's guiding us through this uh, the bushes and the overgrowth and the and the plants and different things like that. And because uh, the nature of taking tours in Israel, we all had these like headsets on. Our guide had a little microphone, you know, a little Britney uh, Britney Spears microphone, one of those little uh, over the ear ones. And uh, he was telling us, you know, just different interesting facts about the place we were at and every place we would go. And the rest of us, we all had these like little wireless headphones so that we could hear what's going on. So I'm near the back of the line at this point. There's probably 20 of us total, all walking single file, snaking our way through this forest. And I can hear him talking, but I can't see what's going on. As we are rounding this corner, he is uh, at the point, he's like flipping uh, rocks over. He was trying to find little frogs. Apparently there's a lot of frogs in this, this little uh, national park. And he was flipping rocks over and talking to us and telling us about the history of Dan and this tribe and everything else that's going on. And then he just stops. I can't see what's going on, but the whole line stops. Everybody stops. And all I hear is him say, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I hear, no, 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 get back. No, no. And then you just hear rustling and, and fighting. And, and then at one point you start hearing like uh, biting and uh, growling and, and like all kinds of just like signs of fight and battle and all kinds of crazy things going on, which is wild to only be hearing and not be able to see at all what is going on. So the rest of us who are back towards the back of the line, we're like walking, we're asking everyone, what is going on? We can all hear what's going on, but we can't see what is happening. And it was so tight quarters, none of us could really like rush forward to figure out what was going on. Eventually, we all kind of get to this clearing and enough people of us rush forward. And the guy towards the front of the line, he runs back and he says, uh, a dog just attacked Mark. Um, and 
and so we were saying, what happened? He said, I don't know. He said, this, this dog came up over the hill and he started running. Mark tried to like uh, scare it away and it jumped up and attacked him. And so Mark grabbed the dog and pinned it to the ground. Um, and he still got it right now. <laughs> and that was the well, we, we could figure it out. So we all go around the corner and there's Mark bloody and like covered in blood holding this dog that is viciously trying to like bite him and growl and 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 and, and bark and get out of his arms and as the dog is, is screaming and trying to get out of his arms right about this moment two park rangers come around the corner one they're in a little four-wheeler you know they drive around the corner apparently they had been chasing this dog and they had unknowingly chased it right into the center of our group uh, when one of the guy, the park rangers comes around and sees what's going on, he gets scared and climbs a tree. <laughs> he turns around and <laughs> runs up a tree <laughs> to get away from this dog. And at this point, we're all thinking, this is like a rabid dog. What in the world is going on? And Mark, all we hear in the headset is, help, help, please, somebody help. You can just hear him just barely using all his strength to hold the dog down. You can just barely hear him scream for help. Luckily, the other uh, park ranger was a little bit more um, brave and <laughs> did, not, uh, did not climb the tree, and he happened to have a gun on him. And so uh, they get the whole group to go all the way back, back around the corner, and all we hear is just two gunshots, and they had shot the dog uh, in the head to kill it and end the whole event. Well, something that is interesting about Israel is that they have not eradicated rabies nearly to the extent that we have here in the States. And the park rangers who are there from Israel immediately know that uh, if you get attacked by a rabid dog or anything with rabies, you've got to go to the hospital like right now. So they grab our guide, they throw him on the four-wheeler, and they take off. <laughs> and we're stuck in the middle of this forest <laughs> where we have no idea where we are, no idea what's going on without a guide. Turns out they took the dog and it, the dog was rabbit. He had rabies. And our guide had to spend the next uh, few weeks that he was there getting uh, shots for rabies, which are like these crazy, like huge shots that you got to get. And if you get the shots within enough time, it's fine. But, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a terrifying thing. After he left and, you know, was in the hospital for a little while, there was a few days in between there, between his shots and treatments before he, because he actually, I'm telling you, this guy's like Indiana Jones. He came back from this and finished our tour the rest of the next few weeks after that, uh, patched up and with bites and, and fresh off his rabies shots. But uh, for those like two or three days in between there, we had a replacement guide. The company, the tour company that we were with, they sent us a replacement guide. And this guide could not have been the furthest thing from Marxies. Um, all of us in the group, we just, we, we hated the guy. We couldn't, we couldn't stand him the whole time we were there. Um, I, I don't even remember his name. That's how much we didn't like him. We'll call him Bruno for now because I just got done watching Encanto. We'll call him Bruno. <laughs> so this guy, Bruno, um, you know, he was a nice guy. He showed up. He's a relatively nice guy. But when you talk about not being able to read the room and understand the, the people he was talking to, this was just kind of the, the, the polar opposite of what Marx East was. He was, um, he, he, he started his uh, speech by immediately coming and, 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 and going on this huge rant about how amazing President Trump is at the time. This is the time President Trump had, and President Trump, very pro-Israel, kind of makes sense that this guy, he was an Israeli guy, 
And a lot of the people who go on trips to Israel probably would have loved to hear this speech about how amazing Trump is and all the things he's done for Israel. The group that would not like to hear that is this whole group of like 20-something-year-old college students that were just like, what is this guy thinking? And you could just tell he thought he's winning them over, and a lot of these kids just hated it. They were just like immediately, this was setting them off with the worst taste in their mouth about this guy. He follows it up by then going to several of the sites that we went to, not realizing that all of these students are seminary students who are, who are in the process of studying the scriptures, who have spent years studying the scriptures, and he tries to like tell us what like basic Bible stories about all of the places that we should be. Just very condescendingly, very, uh, very elementary level, tell us these stories about all of the, the Bible stories about the different places that we should be. And it was just the polar opposite of the experience that we had with Mark Zies. And by the end of those three days with, with Bruno, the guide, everyone in the group was just ready for Mark to come back. They just could, the, 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 the experience of this trip in Israel was just horrible. It was completely different uh, when, you, when you weren't being led by somebody that you could trust. We just, we just felt like, we, this, who is this guy? We don't like this guy. We can't trust him. We don't know how to uh, find our way around these places. And we're just really not enjoying the experience at all um, because of just the, the, the drastic difference in that guide. And that other guy that was just awful for most of us made us appreciate Mark so much more when he came back. Not only had he braved a rabid dog to save us, but he, uh, he, he, he was just night and day difference from the first guy that we had had. And I really realized that um, that experience is something that showed me just the value of having people um, in charge, people in command, people over us that, that we can trust, that you can you, can, you, you feel like they know what they're doing. You feel like you can trust them. And if I had to sum up over and over again the thing that I have heard over and over and over, especially the last two years from so many different people, it is that they are, they are so disappointed in, in their guides, in the people that they thought they could trust. The last two years, it feels like everybody we thought we could trust on every side has let us down in some way or another. We are, we, are, we are lost in this world without guides and people that we feel we can trust. And, and I can tell that the letdown that we have felt from that, from so many of the people that we thought we could trust letting us down, has left us lost, as lost as we felt in the middle of this rainforest in Israel without a guide who knew how to tell us. This is, this is the emotion that I, I get from so many people. And like I said, this is, this is everybody. This is across the board. I have had so many conversations with younger people who were raised by parents who, who espoused certain moral ideals and certain ideals in the scriptures. And then uh, so many of these kids felt betrayed by their parents who suddenly became, uh, you know, un, uh, they, they didn't care anymore about any of those ideals. Uh, the example uh, somebody gave is of a their parents bringing them up not to cuss, bringing them up in, in the value of, of your words and the words that you say being important. And then uh, finding a video uh, just a few months ago of a, a political rally that was held at a Baptist church at the largest Baptist church in Dallas. I think it's called Dallas Baptist Church. There's a political rally where the entire church is screaming, let's go, Brandon, let's go, Brandon, which 
if you know anything about politics, you know what that's a euphemism for. And you know exactly how disappointed these people felt at their their parents and the people in charge and the, the generation before them who they thought espoused certain morals, suddenly throwing those out the window because they just got swept up in the emotions of their political feelings at that time. I heard it from people who uh, were, were huge fans of many of these famous Christians who have fallen recently. Um, uh, the most, the biggest one I heard a lot of recently is about Ravi Zacharias, this famous Christian apologist who used to defend Christianity. And a lot of people, myself included, looked up to him, looked up to his ability to argue for the faith. And then we find out that he was involved in, in just these, these really terrible sexual abuse uh, patterns that were present in his life for long periods of time. And not only was he involved in it, but other people who were in charge who knew about it participated in helping cover it up. I even had an interesting conversation just last week. Um, I was at uh, the church I go and work and help at in the mornings, and I was talking to a, a person who felt like they've just they they can't trust the CDC anymore. They said they've just they they keep saying saying conflicting things from the CDC and these people. They're supposed to be in charge. They're supposed to be the the center for disease control. They're supposed to be helping you with your health, and the 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 guide that is supposed to help you navigate. Uh, this this pandemic that we're in, and, and they were just they were frustrated at their inability to to trust in those people that were supposed to know what was going on. So, like I said, across the board, so many examples I could keep going, but I'm sure you have personal examples that came to mind immediately of people who you thought you could trust who have let you down in some way or another, especially the last two years. And it is exactly when we come to experiences like this that I think we can we can really connect with the Psalms in a way that I don't know that we could have connected uh, before having experienced some of these things. I was recently listening to the uh, the Boring Bible Podcast, uh, the podcast that our teaching pastor Noah Randolph does, uh, along with our, our good friend Ashley Wakefield. And um, he's been going through the book of Isaiah. It's a tongue-in-cheek name for the podcast. It's not really boring. It's been incredible. He's taking chapter by chapter through the book of Isaiah. And he brought up this verse from Isaiah, uh, chapter 22, I believe. We could put it up on the screen. Um, and, and Noah and Ashley read through uh, this verse that said, The Lord, the Lord Almighty, called you on that day, uh, but see, uh, to weep and to wail, to tear out your hair, and to put on sackcloth. But see, there is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle, killing of sheep, eating of meat, drinking of wine, let us drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. Uh, you may have heard this phrase, let us eat, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. You probably heard it before. You probably didn't know it was in the Bible. Uh, but the reason this verse especially piqued my attention when Noah was reading it is because Noah kind of started going on a, a uh, 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 start preaching a little bit about what he thought this verse meant. And the whole time I'm like, I think Noah's talking about me. I was like, I feel like he's subtweeting me in this, <laughs> in this verse <laughs> because he talked about this verse is, is God condemning uh, the people of Judah for, uh, for partying when he had instead called them to, 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 to mourn, to put on sackcloth and ashes, to take a time of real mourning uh, and, and, and Noah's example, which is the reason I think maybe 
maybe he's talking about me. He's talking about people who in this age, when we've been let down by so many things, there's been so many horrible things that have happened to us. Uh, he's like, some people just escape into uh, TikTok, <laughs> you know, watching TikTok videos, laughing a little bit instead of instead of maybe doing what the Lord actually asks people to do, which is to to mourn when there's a situation that calls for mourning. And this has been one of the biggest things I've learned as I've been reading through the Psalms is that David and the other psalmists, they take every opportunity to actually feel those negative emotions. God actually says that it's a sin for these people to not mourn. The fact that they went and partied instead of mourning, God says that that's a sin that they're not going to be forgiven for, for not mourning. And that is something you can, you can, you just, you can't claim about uh, any of the Psalms, especially. Just look at these verses, just verses three and four in that Psalm that Joey read, where it says, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies with their mouths. They bless, but in their hearts, they curse. He's, he's expressing exactly how he feels. The people all around him, they. They say things, blessings with their with their mouths, but with their hearts they curse. You know, it's a real really gives us something to think about, especially here in the South, where we uh, you know, bless your heart. Such a common phrase you can say with your mouth, but what are you really meaning with your heart? And 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 in this Psalm and in so many of the Psalms, you can see that they are taking a moment to mourn. That's the first thing that I think is so important in this, this time when so many of us feel so let down. The way we are going to get over this, the way we are going to get through it, the way that we are going to learn the lessons God wants us to learn from this season is to, is to mourn it. It's to actually acknowledge how we feel. Sometimes as Christians, we are tempted to just push through it, go back to singing happy songs, Go back to uh, talking about how amazing Jesus is. Go back to talking about how amazing God is. Don't sit in these negative emotions. Just go back to scrolling TikTok. Go back to listen to positive, encouraging K-Love. <laughs> go back to the positivity in our lives and skip over the, the morning. And I really think that that is not the way forward. And it is re- honestly really a dangerous way to live. I had this experience for myself recently, I had a, a bit of an argument with a, a loved one that I, I really care about who we were on very different uh, sides of this particular uh, debate that we were having, um, talking about COVID vaccines and a few things related to that. And I was, I was um, in, in bed at night, just so angry about it. Not, not angry about the, the argument, because I could see where they were coming from, and I think they could see where I was coming from. But I was just, I was just so angry that, that we're in this place where, where, where people that I love so dearly are, are people that I'm having to fight with about things that are important to me. And, and my temptation was like, I'm just going to go to sleep, and I'll wake up in the morning, I'll feel better. But instead, I decided to try to practice this. I've been reading through the Psalms myself in preparation for this. And I was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what, uh, what, what I see the Psalms doing, and I'm going to just express my frustration to God. So laying there in my bed is probably one of the angriest prayers I've ever prayed, but I just prayed a prayer just angry about the, the situation that I'm in and, and, the, and the, the difficulties that I'm experiencing with my loved ones. And I... And I the, it was incredible. 
after that prayer happened, I this supernatural peace and calm that I felt in that moment was like un, unlike anything I've experienced before. When I actually was just honest with God and expressed how I felt, it is crazy how, how he comforted me in that moment in, in a way that I've never experienced before that moment. It was the first time I'd gotten to put that into, into practice. And I would, that's my first encouragement for you. Don't jump over the negative emotions that you're feeling. Feel those feelings, but express them to God. There's so many times when I've been reading the Psalms, I'm like, I don't, are you allowed to say that? I don't know if you're allowed to say that. There's so many times where I look at what the psalmist says, I was just like, I don't think that should be allowed in the Bible. But the, the, the honesty that you get in the Psalms in their relationship with God is I think what God desires from us. He wants a real relationship. He doesn't just want us to keep our arms distance and only share the good things with him. He wants that real relationship with him, with us, where we, where we truly share how we're feeling. But the real danger that I think we can see, same with that verse in Isaiah earlier that, uh, that I mentioned, part of the problem isn't just that they go to partying and all this kind of stuff, but the reason they're partying is because they've just given up hope. They just said, we're going to die tomorrow. Why does it matter? Let's just eat and drink and be merry. It doesn't matter. We're all going to die and I think this has been the other temptation in this really dark and difficult time over the last couple of years so many of us have felt. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who are just like, yeah, I'm just giving up. I don't care. None of it matters. I'm not going to care about anything anymore. There's like this apathy that so many people feel and, and, and just kind of this resignation that I think a lot of people feel. Where it's just like, man, we're just, just, just let everything happen. I don't care. I don't care anymore. The world is ending. Just let the world end. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to have uh, the an apathetic perspective on all of it. Uh, the the end is near, you know, that's the, the we're, tomorrow we die, so what does it matter? Just go do whatever you want to do. And I think that's a, that's a big part of what the sin is for these people as well, is that they have just, they've just given up. They've just decided, you know what? There's no hope. Just do whatever we want to do. And this has been the other major truth that I've discovered in the Psalms. As honest as so many of the Psalms are about how they feel, about how, how people are all around them are, are, are uh, coming in on them and, and, and how so many people are against them, as honest as they are about all of that, so many of the Psalms always end with hope, with, with, with just a hopeful perspective about what God promises to do. And this psalm that Joey read ends, ends exactly that way. Um, if you read the last few verses of it, you know, after this section where the psalmist is laying out how he, how he feels and how he feels like people have kind of come in all around him, he ends with just these verses that talk about finding your hope in God, how he's your, your stronghold, how he's your peace. And then he, there's these interesting verses where he talks about, surely the, the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. It's this interesting set of phrases where he's just talking about the best of the best, the lowest of the low. They're nothing. Don't worry about it. Why, why are you spending so much of your time focused on these things that are like what, what, what he says here is that, that they are only a breath. 
You can take the highest of the high, the highest born people, the most important people in the world, and the least important people in the world, put them all on a scale, and they're, they're, they're barely going to weigh up to, to just a breath. They're but a breath. They, they, they don't even weigh out any of those things. And he talks about all the, the riches and all the things that people can put their hope in. He says, don't, don't worry about that. Don't put your hopes in those things. Um, those are vain. They, they, they have no substance to them. It's this really weird way of, of, in a way, saying, man, I feel so bad. So many of these things are horrible. So many of these things are upsetting me, being honest with God, like I said, and then balancing it on the other side with saying, but I'm not really that worried about it because it's, it's not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. And I think that the only way that the psalmist is able to have such a, such a differing perspective on it and such a, a differing perspective on the, the difficulties that they are going uh, having in their life is because of these last verses, the, the hope that he puts at the very end of the psalm, where he says, one thing God has spoken, two things I've heard. Uh, power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. You reward everyone according to what they have done. Despite all the negative things that are going on in his life, he can clearly say, I God's the one who has the power, though. I, I know that God is the one who is in charge, that God is the one who has the power. Despite whatever the things around me may look like, despite how, how imposing some of these other people in charge who are, who are fumbling the bag can look like, I know that God, uh, that God is in, in charge and that people are going to get what they deserve. This has been the thing that has really gotten me through a lot of this, this period of time. God clearly says that there will be a judgment day, and pe people will get what is coming to them. If you're frustrated with the lies that you're hearing from people, if you're frustrated with the, the prideful attitude from people that are in charge that don't uh, acknowledge the realities of what is going on in the world, they're, God is going to give them <laughs> what they deserve. They are going to know the truth. They're going to acknowledge the truth. And everyone is going to be able to see it. I think sometimes as Christians, we don't like that idea of judgment because we're just, oh, you know, I don't want to put my hope in that. You know, we talk about I don't, God doesn't say, God says to forgive people, don't take revenge. But you got to remember when, when God says not to avenge yourself, he says don't avenge yourself because I'm going to do it. He says, you don't worry about this. You don't worry about taking it upon yourself to uh, right the world's wrongs and, and, and police the world and tell everybody what's in charge. But he doesn't say, don't do that because it doesn't matter. He says, don't do that because I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it better than you've ever seen. The people who do wrong are going to get what's coming to them. Even we as Christians, you know, the, there's a difficult verse in 1 Corinthians that talks about... Uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking here. He says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Whatever foundation you're building on, you should build with care. For no one can lay a foundation other than that's already laid, Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, uh, the builder will receive a reward. And 
the, the verse I really wanted to focus on especially is this idea that um, the next verse says, verse 15, that, you know, what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will, will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. This verse has always been interesting to me because it shows that even as Christians, we're going to go through that same judgment period of, of the, the quality of our work being put to the test. And he says, don't worry, if your foundation is built on Jesus, you, you will survive, but it's going to be like someone barely escaping the flames of a burning house. And his challenge is, I think, the same challenge that I have for many of us here. We can take uh, comfort in the fact that we know God is going to judge rightly, but we got to understand that that applies to us too. And, and I want to be the person, I don't want to be the person who escapes like a person leaving a burning building. <laughs> I want to be the person who builds on the foundation that Jesus has laid, but with, with, with beautiful things, with costly stone, with gold, with silver, with things that will last and things that, that, that will get us through <laughs> those tests and that judgment that God has for us. We can, we can take hope in the fact that God's going to put things right. And we can pray and we can ask that God would help us to build on those foundations in ways that can truly last. So I've got a few just suggestions for you guys as we're finishing up here. Just a few things that we are going to be doing uh, here at Wayfarers. I'm hoping to help us build better homes. <laughs> I want to build homes out of silver and gold, not, uh, not hay, not things that are going to be burnt up. None of us want to be those people that are barely escaping uh, through, 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 uh, from a burning home. We want to be people who build on the foundation of Jesus with strong uh, materials. And, and that's really a big part of what I view as our job as, as church leaders, that we want to help you guys to, to do that, to be able to build on those foundations. So there's a couple of things that we're going to be doing here at the church. Just focus on that. The first is this series on the Psalms. I want to, I want to challenge you to, to, have your, your mind shaped by the Psalms in the same way that Jesus' mind was shaped by the Psalms. He constantly quoted them. I want to challenge you to do, a, it's a real simple thing. You know, people start Bible reading plans here at the beginning of the year. If you, uh, if you were to just read one Psalm a day, some of them are really short, some of them are a little bit longer, but honestly, it just takes a few minutes to read even the longest ones. If you were to just read one Psalm a day, do it just on the weekdays, Take the weekends off. Take your Sabbath rest. Do whatever you want to do. Just, just worry about it on the weekdays. Wake up every day and, re and read just one psalm a day. And I would challenge you to use those psalms as words that you can pray. Pray the words of those psalms to the Lord. Express your frustrations through the words of the psalms and the joys and the worship that you have for God through the words of those psalms. The, the life change that's going to make, it'll take about six months to do it. The life change that that's going to make, I'm confident, is going to be hard to measure. I actually uh, had challenged my home church to do this, and I had a lady come up to me after I had got done preaching, and she told me she had been doing this. She had spent the last two years of the pandemic praying through very specific psalms, reading the psalms. It's a list of psalms she found, and she had, she had read through it once, and she said by the time she got to the end of just those psalms, it was, it was such a difference it had made in her life that she went back to the beginning and started out doing it again. And she's been spent the last two years just doing that, just praying and reading through these psalms every day. And she tells me, she, she, she was a, a, she's been a Christian for decades. This lady had told me she had been a Christian for decades, and she had 
rarely experienced as much life change than when she was just doing this, of just reading and praying the Psalms. It, it really changed her life. And I'm, I'm excited and confident that it could maybe do the same for you. So that's the first challenge I have for you. Connected to that, we really think that prayer is something that hasn't been a part of what we've been doing at Wayfair as much. So um, uh, Zach, who's been coming to hang out with us, I got coffee with him, and the two of us really felt like it would be great to be able to start a prayer group uh, through our church to, to pray that new people would come, that we could see some growth, that God would help us to grow, and maybe a way for us to practice praying these psalms in person. So I'm going to be releasing details on what that prayer group is going to look like, but it's, it's just going to be a virtual thing. You're going to be able to call in, all audio. Don't worry about having to like fix your hair or look good on the Zoom camera. You know that can be a little bit uh, annoying sometimes when you got to feel like you got to keep your perfect posture. It's just going to be audio. It'll be something you can call in. And it'll be every uh, every Friday evening is what we're looking at. Uh, and so we'll post more details about it on our Instagram, on our social media, more details about how you can call in and be a part of this weekly prayer group uh, to, to really help to, to form ourselves in that way. And then the last thing I want to encourage you is also a new, a new endeavor that we're starting. Um, also with Zach, but with uh, Greg, something that we've been talking through um, about uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation a little bit. Um, specifically uh, during this time, these last difficult couple of years, a lot of people have expressed a lot of interest in Revelation. And sometimes I think we can get sidetracked with Revelation where we start using it as just like a decoder ring thing that we're trying to figure out what, what goes with what in what we are experiencing around ourselves. And I think one of the biggest things we can miss about the book of Revelation is that it is a book that is addressed to a specific group of people. There's actually churches mentioned at the beginning that are, that are the, the recipients, original recipients of the book of Revelation. And there, and there is a purpose to this revelation, a purpose that, that is for people who are going through really difficult, uh, difficult and trying times. Times that, that, that make just the, the, the difficulties we've been going through kind of pale in comparison. But obviously, the Lord believed that these churches going through t trying times would be able to, um, to really gain some, some value from, from, from the vision that was given to John in this book. And I really think that that's a value that we miss out on on the church. Lots of times we miss out on the, the encouragement and, and, and the exhortation that can come from that book for us, whatever those trying times may be that we may be going through. So uh, Greg and Zach and I are going to be doing just a, a simple uh, podcast series, real conversational, really looking through the book of Revelation. We're going to take it chapter by chapter, helping to kind of dive into what each of these, the themes and the concepts in these books uh, could mean. And I, and I hope that it would help to, to bring that value from, of the book into our lives and help us navigate this, this period of time uh, that, that we're living in. Now, we're probably getting rid of our Wayfarers Facebook page. So if you're watching this on the stream on Facebook, um, we're, we're probably going to kind of move a lot of our announcement stuff over to Instagram. So if you're trying to keep up with the church, go follow us on Instagram. Check it out there. Turn your notifications on if you don't use Instagram much. And you can, you can just tell Instagram to tell you anytime we post. And then, uh, you know, keep up with us in that way. But so this, this live streamed series we're going to be doing on Greg's personal Facebook page. So if you uh, 
aren't Facebook friends with Greg, I would encourage you to go friend request Greg Waddell so you can watch these streams about the book of Revelation. And especially we would love for you guys to tune in live with us as we go through those streams because um, we, we want it to be conversational, like I said. So we would love to have questions in there, questions that you've had about the book of Revelation, questions that you have had about the chapters that we are going through so that we can have a little bit of conversation going. The only way you can do that is if you go friend request Greg. So you got to go find Greg Waddell on Facebook, friend request him, and then you can follow uh, along with the stream on the book of Revelation there. All of these things are just ideas, ways for you to, to help kind of build on that foundation. And I really think that if we put these things into practice, uh, I'm envisioning a way forward through uh, this, the dark times that we're experiencing. It's, it's, it's a way forward that doesn't just ignore the things that we are going through, that sits in them, truly mourns them, but then truly finds a way to focus our eyes on Jesus. The verse 8 of Psalm 62 is what I just want to end with today. And it says simply, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Let's pray. Lord, I want to really take this opportunity to do that, Lord. I, there's so many frustrations that I personally am feeling, and I know so many of us are feeling, and I want to be honest and, 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 and trust in the fact that you are our refuge, Lord. I know that you are, you are good, Lord, and that you are in control and that you, are, uh, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And as dark as times may seem, I know that you are, are, are working things for good and that you are in charge and that I can put my faith and my trust in you. But I have to be honest, God, and that my my heart is weary. I just, I feel frazzled. I feel like at the end of my rope in so many different things in my life. And, and I just, I, I, I need you to guide me, to guide us through this period of time in our lives. Help us to, to take these negative things that are going on in our lives and, and to turn them for good. And help us to, to, to use this uh, difficulties to produce perseverance, uh, have that perseverance uh, produce in us a hope that will never be put to shame, a hope for the things that, that we can truly hope in and the trust that we can truly put in you. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we do every week, as we come to the end of our time together, we want to focus on a time of communion. And I'm actually going to read Psalms 62, verses 5 through 8. Um, so that's a little section that Nick kind of skipped over a little bit. It says, Let all that I am wait quietly on the Lord, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. And I thought that was fitting for the communion time because as we think about authorities, people that we've looked up to that have failed us, there's one event in history where we can know that God 
is not one of those people that's going to fail us. Why is God my hope? Why do we call him our rock and our salvation? It's an event in history that we call the crucifixion, where Jesus gave his life for us. And in that time, the disciples had to sit in darkness for three days, wondering if the guy they looked up to failed them. But at the end of those three days, they see the risen Lord and they rejoice knowing that he didn't fail, but he succeeded in what he came to do. So that way we can have victory and that our honor can come from God. He is our refuge and a rock where no enemy can touch us because of the success that came through the crucifixion. So as we think of these, you know, there are times when we're angry with people for failing, like Nick talked about. But we can also express that to God. Pour out your heart to him. So I encourage us to take a minute as we prepare to take the bread and the juice. Pour out your heart to God because the crucifixion gave us that opportunity to approach him. So as we prepare to take, let's remember that Jesus succeeded where no man could. He is our hope for that reason. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you to remember the hope we have in Jesus. In the crucifixion where you poured out your love in a very real and suffering, painful way. We come to you knowing you are our hope, that we can trust that you will overcome even the darkest points in our lives. Help us to remember that and to take comfort in that, even as we go through the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of us in the room, we're going to walk back here and gather around the table, take part in communion to end our service. If you're watching the stream or watching this later, um, we... You know, feel free in, in spirit with us. You can participate as well in home, at home or wherever you are. Um, but as for the stream portion of it, uh, we're, we're going to finish that off tonight. And uh, we just hope to see you next week. Join us. Uh, hopefully no snow next week. Hopefully the weather will quit being as crazy and we'll, we'll have regular uh, weather. And you can join us uh, at, the, at the chapel of Mid-South Christian College at 6 o'clock. We hope to see you then. Otherwise, you are dismissed.